Wrestling with my brother. We got a podcast, yeah. Wrestling with my brother. Welcome back to the podcast where two brothers compete over who has the best belt. <laughs> Wrestling with my brother. That's right, bitch. I am the ECW World Heavyweight Champ. Oh my <laughs> god. Look at my gold. That is awesome. And also ruined a potential Christmas present for you. Well, <laughs> I preempted it. I thought you might have uh... <laughs> look at that. Proper that that's the proper like old school design. None of this. I think it's made, yes, yeah, copyright WWE 2007, but it's like the proper old school ECW. Belt, so no more lording this shit over me, bro. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, I was going to say we are in bizarro worlds, like uh, Lola used to say on uh, whenever they went to Canada. Craig doing an intro, but you've blown my mind with that. That's brilliant. <laughs> oh, it arrived just after last week's pod, and I'm like, for Christ's sake, I gotta wait a whole week. I thought, oh, do I just? I was so excited to show you. I'm like, oh, do I just show you? Send your photo, but I'm like, no. Just calm down, just refrain. And I thought, oh, he, he knows it now. When I said, oh, I'll do the intro this week. But no. I had no idea. It's all me, bro. That is brilliant. Well, we, we've got to compete now. We've got to actually put these belts on the line against each other. Yeah, but I don't want to win your universal title, bro. This is the OG. And the good thing about this is I've got, I've started building like a, an ECW shrine in my spare room. So I've got like photos of Mick Foley, uh, some autograph stuff that you've bought for me, obviously all the DVDs. This bad boy is going on the shelf. So it's actually a display piece. It's not just to see your shocked little face, which, you know, was worth its weight in belt gold. But yeah, i got to find a way to display it properly now. It's going to be a proper piece. You should get yourself a little digital photo frame with your uh, birthday greeting from Just Incredible, just playing on a loop. Hey, Craig. Yes. <laughs> Yo, PJ, if you are listening, thank you. He always listens. He loves it. How do these stay on, bro? It's sliding off. Mine's made of foam, so it's... <laughs> yeah, that's not staying on. I have to hold that all night now. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're a responsibility. I end up shifting shoulders, but you took the piss with me doing that. Yeah, because of the weight, but I see now it's more of a... I'm going to have to just hold this all night. That's annoying, isn't it? And the belt. <laughs> How are you, brother? I am very good. I'm just astounded. You've, you've literally rendered me speechless by uh, by doing that. I'm very <laughs> impressed. No, I'm very good. Thank you very much. I have had a good week. My car is fixed. I know you didn't care about it last week, but uh, <laughs> the listeners might want to know. So yes, listeners, my my ride, is, uh, as I like to call it, is, uh, is good. It's fixed. You don't like to call it that, though. That's BS, isn't it? Just for you now, <laughs> you pimped your ride out, have you? I said the other day to somebody, I said, uh, oh, I'm down with the kids. And they said, and that proves that you're not. Because yes. <laughs> nobody says that for about 20 years. Oh, okay. And then you're like, jump in my ride. I'll, they'll prove you wrong. We put some, put some Frankie Valley on and yeah, <laughs> we'll see who's the dude. Oh, well, I got two words for you and it's not suck it. Oh, God. <laughs> As in the DX. All out. Fuck my life. I think that 
thinking back now is probably the best pay-per-view I've ever seen. Ever. 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 Start to finish. Just blown away. Just absolutely. Literally, I could pick, and I probably will, every single clip for this pod. Drama, violence, storylines, shock entrances left, right and centre, amazing moves. Even the commentary team were on point. It felt big. You know, it, it was a bigger arena than normal. It just It was just amazing. It, it was very stripped back as well, not much in the way of, you know, like the logo is quite kind of minimal. That There wasn't too much pyro or anything like that. No stupid gimmicks. <sighs> That was a solid three hours of just phenomenal, phenomenal viewing. Amazing. Yeah, I've heard some fantastic reviews for it, especially that cage match. So I'm going to have to get around to uh, to watching it. But um, I mean, by the time this comes out, the, there'll be more wrestling that people have missed in the meantime. So uh, that was a few weeks ago now. <laughs> Honestly, I, I mean, that match was just stupid good. Like, not to spoil anything, but normally, you know, when there's a cage match or a big kind of themes match, there's a build-up. Nope, straight out of the fucking cage. And it, it it was really emotional at the end as well. I was like, oh, my God, this is like... <sighs> yeah, I mean, my goosebumps, I had goosebumps all the way through. So I'm, I'm a bit exhausted, but, you know, we've got our own stories to tell. We've got our own little clips to dissect. So do you want to crack on? What are, you, what are you saying? Uh, well, I was going to say, but my first live event last week after the COVID pandemic lockdowns, I went to my first football match in about 18 months and uh, I had goosebumps because I know it's not wrestling, but it was still being there in a large crowd and all cheering on the same thing. And uh, yeah, so that was pretty exciting. That was a pretty big moment. Although the way things are going, who knows whether we're going to be able to do that for very long. Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's looking a bit bleak again. They're on about a fire break now, aren't they? But it's... Like you said earlier on Facebook, just what do you expect? It's, you know, it's like people are going around without, wait, we're getting, we're getting a bit uh, serious here, but they are going around without masks on still. And, you know, it's been a year and a half now. In March, it'll be two years. And none of my close friends or family has got it, which is amazing. Me and my wife haven't got it. And, you know, because you're safe, just wear a mask and be safe. That's all you need to do. Get double jabbed, people. Yeah. But anyway, less uh, less COVID with my brother and uh, more <laughs> on-point wrestling with my brother. Go. What's the first feature? Well, the first feature, yes, is called... Would you rather? And it's my turn. And uh, just going off my, you know, award-winning, some people have described it as, outro last week. Uh, Dave Meltzer, give it five stars. Would you rather have to talk like 1980s Vince McMahon or have his billionaire walk forever? <laughs> oh, okay. Um. <laughs> yeah, everything. Oh my God, it's first thing in the morning! Or walk like Conor McGregor shitting himself. <laughs> Yeah, I think it'd have to be the walk because I do a lot of talking in my job. Um, you know, lots of meetings, lots of phone calls. Um, 
yeah, a, a good chunk of, of my work involves talking to people and a wide range of people as well. And I think if I had that voice constantly, I would alienate a lot of people, confuse a lot of people for a start. <laughs> but um, yeah, but I, I don't walk. Um, I, I do what actually, yeah, I, I take a daily walk around the neighborhood. Started in lockdown, this turned into a bit of a habit, like a post lunch stroll. I think if I walk around like Billy Big Bollocks like that, people would <laughs> people would think I'm a bit odd. But I think I could probably get away with the walk more than I could get away with the talk. What would you prefer? Oh, walk over talk. I like that. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> it has got to be the walk, but just. Uh... Just how smug would you look? Proper <laughs> arms pumping, ass out, <laughs> chest out. Oh fucking hell! But you would exude confidence. People would be like, "Oh, <laughs> don't don't mess with that guy. He's serious." <laughs> There's a man who knows where he's going. He knows what he wants. You know, I reckon that could open some doors for you. You know, I think if you walked around like that, people would be like, "Oh, who's this guy? He's confident. You know, he's uh, he's assertive. He's yeah." Yeah, and then they ask me a question, and they hear my stupid laugh, and then I bet as I go in. <laughs> Doesn't really fit the walk, does it, brother? Oh, oh, what it is, I was hoping I might be let in to the club, you see? <laughs> just just for a dance and a drink. I walked a walk, now you want to talk to talk tonight? <laughs> oh, fucking you know. Yeah, I thought that was a good one. I like it because I come up with these ideas. I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. But then they really do work on a deeper level because you think you've got the answer, don't you, as soon as I said it. But then you're like, oh, actually, fucking hell. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's good. It's, it's, we're asking life's big questions, which is what I like about this segment. So These are important. People need to think about these things, you know, because one day you could be granted this as a wish by a malevolent genie. And you've got to, you've got to think which one of those you'd rather have. That is the is the pod title if you're malevolent genie. Would you rather? Okay, so the world champ. It's time for his first clip, clip of the week. This is Ricochet versus Adam Cole uh, for the NXT North American title at NXT Takeover. Front drop kick by Ricochet. See the way Ricochet hit that drop kick completely blind. He knew exactly where his opponent was, even though he didn't have his eyes on him at the time. I don't care what Adam Cole says. Ricochet I think he's about to show the us. adrenaline in his back. And Ricochet can get higher than a stealth fighter, and he's definitely not going to throw away his shot at the NXT North American Championship. Now, since Adam Cole's wild arrival in AEW. Um, I've wanted to see what the hype is all about because, to be honest, I haven't really followed much uh, of Adam Cole or Ricochet um, or watched many NXT matches for that matter. I know I should be watching more and, you know, I know they're two amazing competitors, but I saw this match come up and I thought that's the perfect opportunity to try out something new. And that's what I like about the pod. You introduce me to new things and vice versa. And it gives me an excuse to actually sit down and watch wrestling matches that I wouldn't normally watch. So that was kind of why I chose it. Yeah, my first comment is a bit weird, but uh, that ring's a bit strange, isn't it? Did you notice? Like the, the canvas, it looked more like just a huge plank of wood 
I was like really bassy. It didn't really give much give. I know it's the most random observation for what was an amazing match, but did you kind of note the canvas style? Yeah, well, I noted the overall kind of stiffness. It didn't have a lot of give in it. It seemed uh, a lot louder than regular WWE rings. It reminded me a lot of old WCW rings, which I think towards the late 90s were quite stiff and didn't have a lot of give in them. The, uh, different acoustics to WWE. I don't know whether that was just the way they were presented on TV, but they just seemed like that to me. And this, yeah, uh, so I did notice that, yeah. But it's just like a really bassy sound, like... A, the- <laughs> anyway, <laughs> a weird thing to comment on. I thought I'd throw that in. Um, I mean, yeah, really good chain wrestling to start, but you know it's going to descend into madness. You know it was only a precursor to just what these guys can do. Oh, fuck me, Ricochet is good mind, isn't he? He's like a bastard swan about the place. He literally wrestles like he's in the Matrix, like pff, gravity. You're having a laugh, and you know that doesn't that doesn't affect me, mate. I'm, I'm Ricochet. Even his name, I love. Like the, there's been a few wrestlers like Ruckus springs to mind. You know, a brilliant name for a wrestler. You know, Adam Cole, Darren Evans, Craig Evans. They're very kind of pedestrianized name, but Ricochet is like, oh yeah, that's that's a wicked name. Uh, I mean, his insane dive to the outside. Again, I didn't want to call too many of the spots, but just the way he lands on his feet, like yeah, it's nothing. Just just normal day at the office, you know. While I'm sending emails and <laughs> you know designing things, he's just risking his life just the flips and turns throughout. And as I say in commentary, he's like a human video game. I mean, that super kick he took to the neck as well, just proved Adam Cole's kind of more striking style, um, you know, more of a, a mat wrestler technical with striking ability. So it's a good contrast in styles, but whew, an amazing match. This match made me really sad. Oh no, why's that? And I don't want to get back on the old AEW versus WWE train again, but I'm afraid I'm going to. Because I watched this and I thought, fuck me, that was brilliant. These two are amazing. Adam Cole's in AEW, he's going to tear it up there. Ricochet, he must be he must be on Raw now. He must be at the top of the card competing for the title. What's going on? Let's have a look. Googled it. And uh, all the comments are saying he's basically been wasted on Raw in the mid-card. He's Vince's favourite jobber. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, what is going on? I mean, he's one step away from being branded as the Irish firecracker Rick O'Shea. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I, I know he's kind of plummeted down the card. And like you said, he's main event all day long. Come on. Oh, he was so impressive. There was so much in this match I hadn't seen before. You know, so many moves that when Cole did the double knee to the back from Ricochet's rope bounce, then obviously the super kick to the neck from the mid-rope moonsault. I mean, Ricochet's drop kicks when he caught Adam Cole in midair with that drop kick. The dives out of the ring from the turnbuckles. You know, they were just so smooth and graceful. That shooting star, then followed by the Phoenix splash. That was superb. I mean... Yeah, he is like a human video game. And I just thought this guy should be up there main eventing, you know, and this was a couple of years ago and he should be there by now. And the fact he's not, it's just an absolute travesty. He's, he he needs to join Adam Cole in AEW. This match was insane. I loved it. I was, I was blown away by it, to be honest. 
Yeah, so was I. It literally popped up and I saw some of the comments like this was the match of the year and I'm thinking, oh, okay, I, I won't even watch it. I'm going in completely blind. I send it to you without even watching it thinking, okay, it's a bit of a risk if it's a flop, but no, I, I feel kind of great things. And, you know, even if, yeah, like you said, even if you went to AEW or Impact or Ring of Honor, for fuck's sake, it's a huge step down in terms of visibility and global exposure. But Christ, a company that appreciates wrestling not superstar heroes you know competing for championships not belts get yourself out of there you've had the the international exposure get to a company that really does appreciate you or i'll start one and i'll i'll hire you oh it's so good i i think we're doing adam cole a disservice as well because most of the impressive you know aerial display was from ricochet but you know he had a lot of good ring psychology uh, in this, his character kind of came out the way he avoided a lot of the moves, the way that he reversed a whole bunch of things and just his tactics. I thought they were brilliant. And it just goes to show that you can have these two conflicting styles, this high flyer with these beautiful moves and then this more aggressive striking base wrestler working together well in this match. Oh, it was just brilliant. And like I said, I, I loved it, but it just made me sad to think that you know, Ricochet is, is not where he needs to be based on his abilities. Yeah, and, you know, not just the physicalness of Adam Cole, the, the psychology as well. You're nothing, you know, you're not as big as you think you are. And he knew when the cameras were on him, so they pick up the audio, just things like that. And, you know, he's he arrived to a humongous pop in AEW. Everyone loves him. His catchphrase is obviously, you know, Adam Cole, baby. So he comes in, but he joins the elite. Now they are like the biggest heel faction known to man, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, you know, Gallows and Anderson. And, uh, but they're still cheering the shit out of him. He's dissing the crowd and they're still going rabid. I mean, half the people we follow on Twitter are obsessed with Adam Cole. He's got so many fan pages. So, you know, give Vince some credit. He does build up stars, but he builds them up to such a point that he goes, right, I'm done with them now. They're not going any further. They, you know, broke through the glass ceiling, time to bring them down a peg or two. That's when they should leave. And he does make stars. You can't deny it. And yeah, I mean, he's the most overheal in AEW by a clear mile. So yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, it was so good. I mean, I was just Googling, um, you know, Ricochet, and he was on something called WWE Main Event, which I thought was a pay-per-view, but it's not. It's a like a, a C-show, essentially. Um, and he just defeated Cedric Alexander. And somebody who's written a review here says um, he was Mr. Main Event for a while, but hasn't been on the show for a few weeks. I mean, if you can't even get on the, the B-show or the C-show. And he said his patience beggars belief in his attitude always seems so positive. He is way too good for this. And this match proved it once again. So, yeah, it's just... Ugh. There we go. <laughs> he's still young. He's still young. He's got an entire career ahead of him as long as he doesn't, you know, injure himself seriously with one of these crazy moves. He's got plenty of options. And the wrestling landscape is so fucking exciting right now. There's so many places he'd be stupidly over. You know, it's an exciting time. He's got options. It's not like he was in WCW and the only place to go was the WWE. So... Yeah, well, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll jump ship. Bay Bay. Okay, so on to my first clip. This is 
the TNA Fight for the Right Reverse Battle Royal in 2007. You've got to fight off the opposition. The key, enter the ring. In essence, it's an inside-out battle royal to start it off. We're looking for the eight men that make it into the ring. At that point, once we get eight inside, they will compete in an over-the-top gauntlet-style battle royal. We're going to get down to the final two. We'll have a one-fall match where you win by pin or submission. Mike, you can just see the melee's broken out, but everybody's got different strategies. And I don't know if you realize right behind me over here. James Gordon trying to hide out of the way while everybody else is trying to beat each other and get themselves in the ring. So from an amazing first match to an absolute steaming pile of crap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This fight for the right, this reverse battle royal regularly tops the worst match types of TNA lists online. And I can see why. I mean, yeah, kudos for TNA for coming up with new ideas and trying different things. But I'm sorry, trying to get into a ring is never going to be as exciting as getting thrown out of it. (laughs) And also, they didn't seem to take into account that the outside of the ring area is small, with limited scope for moves, difficult to see on the TV cameras, and really doesn't lend itself to being a good space in which to have a a wrestling match. You know, an inside-out, back-to-front battle royal, what an odd idea. The, the stupid thing as well is they all seem to start off by fighting each other. Why didn't everybody just run in at once and then the slowest would be eliminated straight away? It makes absolutely no sense to turn and fight somebody, just scramble into the ring. And also, why are they climbing the turnbuckle instead of hopping over the top rope? It's just, just so bizarre. And then when the bell actually went for those that were in the ring and in the match, nobody did anything. They all watched Eric Young eliminate James Storm as if they weren't quite sure what to do. And again, for large parts of the match, most of the competitors are sat down doing nothing. It's not even like the Royal Rumble where they're pretending to fight, biding time until they're ready for the next spot. They literally just sat there watching. And uh, my absolute favourite comment on the YouTube clip, this makes no sense. Russo was involved. Say no more. <laughs> I love that you call him Russo. We need a, a separate feature about your mispronunciations and stuff. That was brilliant. Russo sounds like a fucking dog. Come here, Russo. Come on. R- Russo. Vince Russo. What in the blue hell were you pronouncing? Oh, there we go. Segment idea. Ah, oh, TNA. <laughs> TNA. It's not a big TNA bout without crazy rules and mental stipulations. I mean, I used to love their tale of the tape features before big matches. I thought that was really kind of build up the atmosphere, kind of like they do in, in you know, boxing and UFC. But imagine the more complicated match types like this without showing us the rules. It'd be absolute carnage. Uh, it's kind of the goofy WCW-esque vibes going on with them. They did that a lot back in the day. I'm thinking, this is way overcomplicated with cages, within cages, and it's just mad I mean most of this match was the entrances let's be fair like he wasn't even announcing them at the right time so I'm thinking he's not who he just said he was they were like three people behind so they couldn't even get the entrances right but it was great to see uh, future AEW star Lance Archer as uh, Lance Hoyt uh, he's the Murderhawk monster in, in AEW he's got like a really long bright red mohawk 
uh, he, he's he's really good. I, I do remember him now in TNA. Uh, I completely forgot Rikishi was there though. That was mental. I I like I'm a massive TNA fan, but I couldn't remember that at all. What was his name? Junior Fatu. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a tongue twister. I mean, this was a bloody weird concept and more than a mess to watch. I did love um, that Kaz's flux capacitor brought both him and Rude into the ring at the same time. I thought that was that was quite clever. And I did used to love how silly Eric Young was. <laughs> Slapping bootylicious Junior Fatu's cheeks because in the word of Don West, it looks fun to play with. <laughs> And more than once, Mike Tanay's like, fun to play with? What? What do you mean, fun? And he was like, it's fun, Mike. I was like, oh, fucking hell. Uh, I mean, yeah, a bit of a tease from you. that We didn't even see who won. I guess that was the only clip you could find. But come on, bro, where's my epic conclusion here? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to show off the daft match type. I don't really care who won at the end of the day. But I can find it now on uh, Wikipedia. And in stage one, Eric Young won it um and then ultimately Kaz went on to win it <laughs> wow you painted such a beautiful <laughs> descriptive picture then have you ever thought about commentary that was eloquent <laughs> I'd be no good as a commentator in this match I just couldn't bother to explain the rules just work it out that's I don't know. There's lots of there's lots of detail about what happened on Wikipedia. I don't want to go through it all. It's boring. You know, people don't want to hear that. So let's just say it was a shit match type and nobody won. Nobody came out of it looking any good. And shit commentary from you as well. Thank you. Oh, yeah. A bit of a, a strange choice for me this week for my second clip. Um, I've watched this before. I love watching wrestling interviews. I think they, they're really kind of illuminating and you get behind the curtain. I, I, I'll go through YouTube all the time. The way their algorithm works is I'll just watch one. Sure, I'll end up at three o'clock in the morning watching a cat playing a piano. But while I'm getting there, it's just clip after clip. So this is Pick a Hand with RVD. You know what I mean? Like when I, after I was gone for a while and I came back to the Royal Rumble, he was like, well, that, 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 that's, what I, that's what I enjoy about these things is like, you get to see people that aren't normally here that come back, you know, and to let me know I'm not part of the family or whatever. You know, When I inducted Sheik into the Hall of Fame the next day, he was in the lunchroom and he was like, Rob, you were, you were charming and, and funny and, and witty, you know, like what a backhanded compliment. It's like, dude, I know you think I'm retarded. That's why all my promos are cool and whatever, and that's the RVD wow. that they know and still know, but, so, I mean, I wouldn't say we were tight, you know, um, it, he he could have, he could have um, taken some action that could have res responded or warranted said hand pickage. Right. So this takes place on a U-shoot uh, interview, uh, basically a YouTube platform uh, where, yeah, we just hear from wrestlers and, but it's, it's edgier and it's quite adult based and there's a lot of kind of controversial comments and there's no, there's no holding back. Um, this ain't your mama's interview as DDP might say. Th this particular segment is where wrestlers are asked uh, to brand the colleagues as dicks or not, basically. Um, first of all, imagine if you could play this game in your workplace. 
it'd be awkward your boss kind of sitting you down and right who's a dick darren and they just name everyone in the department and you're like what a dick <laughs> uh, but the twist here is that rvd has to decide whether he would slap certain wrestlers after he basically bitch slapped taz in the ecw locker room yeah probably not the rvd clip you expected from me but i i just thought it was hilarious you know, he's this kind of cool, laid-back stoner. He lets his, his wrestling do the talking for him, or Bill Alphonse with that bloody whistle. <laughs> he just, he was brilliant. I mean, again, Bradshaw gets a mention. Does any wrestler not think he was a bully? You know, there's a theme again going on you. Um, but RVD didn't even have to slap him because none of them Joey Styles did it for him, which is another story that I absolutely love. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to critique in the way that we would critique a wrestling match, but I love his anecdotes about Raven um, being proper pissed off about going overseas. That was a really kind of controversial story because, you know, it was for the heroes. And he's like, Vince, I'm not doing it. A, you don't say no to McMahon, but B, just imagine wrestling such a physical style that RVD does and thinking, right, it's 10 days in December, it's Christmas, my body's going to get a rest, spend some time with my family, be off the road. No, 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 you've got to go overseas. So I thought that was really good. <laughs> and you you sent me the image, but fucking hell, that HBK cockeyed impression had me in stitches. And I love how the interview was like, oh, Jesus Christ, head in, his, head in his hands. Oh, I loved it. But again, it showed a different side, you know, to the chilled out stoner that we would normally see. And yeah, I, I guess you've got the same take from it as I have, but I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I was uh, having a drink while watching the clips for this uh, last night in preparation. I literally spat out my drink when I saw that bit. It was so <laughs> funny. Um, I really like these kind of interviews. Uh, they can be really revealing. I think a lot of it depends on the host because some of them are just kind of looking to get the worst out of the rest as to be controversial for the sake of it. But I think this one, you know, was one of the better ones that I've seen. But I love all those little behind the scenes secrets about the different personalities in the industry, the real life views, the clashes of personalities, and then, you know, most of all the politics. Um, I was quite interested in the bit with Jericho where he says that he got him really riled up um, before a confrontation when he was um, uh, undisputed champion. I watched that clip actually today. I managed to track that down and he did look genuinely fuming in it. And he does a top rope frog splash onto a prone Jericho and he does it with so much anger and venom um, that it looks like he really wanted to hurt him. Yeah, I just thought it was really good. It was quite funny as well, because there were times when RVD seemed torn between whether he should be polite or honest, but he always goes honest. Yeah, and he's got worse, my God. <laughs> if he didn't give an F back in ECW as kind of the renegade wrestler, my God, real life Robert Satowski, he does not give a fuck. I mean, some of the pic. have you seen him on Twitter? He posted a picture the other day, right? And he's just like a, like a selfie, there's a hot tub, and there's about fucking six glamour models with their asses out. I think is this just in your back garden? He's wild, like fair play to him. He, he just don't give a fuck. He's he's got his own uh, CBD line, I think, because he's you know into his ganja man and all of that. Is he? Is he? He's really into <laughs> that stuff. Is he? Never mentions it. Yeah, he's he's had the old puff. Yeah, <laughs> he's obsessed with it. But you know. If 
well, I'm, I, I, I've never done it. I'm not advocating it. But, you know, all the wrestlers and all the stories you've heard about people dying through overdosing of drugs and addicted to painkillers. And I mean, look at Benoit, you know, was that concussion? Was that the misuse of painkillers over the years? A bit of both. It, it, it's a muscle relaxant. It's, you know, legal in certain states in America everyone from old women to, to young kind of athletes have it to relax in muscles. And, you know, it's because you can't legalize it. We're getting into quite uh, yeah, ethical issues again, but like alcohol, you can tax alcohol, I guess, because anyone can grow pot if they know how to do it. That's why it's not legal in most States, but it makes sense really, doesn't it? It's, it just grows in the ground. It's natural. And it, it, it relaxes you. Stinks. I've done that. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if weed smokers actually realise how disgusting it smells or whether they're just too high to give a shit because it yeah. absolutely reeks and they reek of it then as well it's worse than cigarette smoke I mean it's yeah it's a foul smell um, and I love RVD you know as a wrestler in the ring he was incredible in the things he did and I do get that you know cannabis for people who put their bodies on the line for many years can help with you know, severe and chronic pain and, and all that. But I think there's something tragic about somebody who builds a lot of their personality around cannabis. He seems to be one of those, you know, making all those references to 420 and the bud and, you know, wearing cannabis related clothing. It's like, yeah, we get it. You smoke. Okay, fine. Is that is that who you are? You know, you basically supplanted your personality with a plant. It's a little bit tragic, if you ask me. But that's coming from a, an old man who's never felt the need to get high. This, this makes you high. This podcast gets you high, doesn't it, bro? Yes. Just the, the brotherly love and the sharing of uh, old wrestling clips and nostalgia. That's all the drug I'll ever need. Get high on your own supply. Yeah. Fucking inject that straight into my veins. No, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. You mean, you've moved on a few classes there. Chill out. Literally. Oh. <laughs> You know, we've got a method on our hands here. I want to mainline this shit. You know. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is the final clip of the week. This is Daniel Puder versus Kurt Angle on WWE SmackDown 2004. Puder just volunteered to get in the ring. Yeah, Daniel Puder, a cage fighter from an Ultimate Fighting Championship. I'll tell you what, he might have the old proverbial more guts than brains. Daniel Pewter, 23 years old from Sunnyvale, California. Oh, I don't give a, I don't care where he's from. Well, I know the kid's got, got a background in fighting in cages and UFC and whatnot. You know, with Kurt Angle. I'm going to predict it's a matter of time for Kurt Angle to twist this coach out of the fight. Oh dear, silly Daniel Pewter. So this was back in 2004. And Kurt Angle challenged the contestants from the WWE reality show Tough Enough to try to beat him in the ring. And unfortunately, Daniel Puder, a former MMA fighter, didn't get the memo about letting Kurt win. And so when he volunteered to go in the ring, uh, he wrestled Kurt around a bit and then got him in a real mixed martial arts hold, uh, which I believe is called a Kimura although Taz called it a key lock on commentary, um, with his arm bent right back. Now, this was a genuinely painful move, 
um, that apparently most MMA fighters would have tapped out of already. But Kurt, of course, just couldn't do that because he was trying to lord it over the tough enough contestants and prove that he was tougher than them and it was his ring. Um, luckily, the referee kind of noticed what was happening. Maybe there was an audible called by Kurt or the referee was just clever enough to, to see what was going on and actually counted the pin on Pewter, even though his shoulders weren't fully on the mat. And Angle was absolutely furious, as you'd expect. And the anger in his face... Uh, when facing Pewter, then in his voice on the mic at the end was real because he literally, he could have broken his arm another couple of seconds in that hole or if he put a little bit more pressure on it, could have broken his arm. And, you know, Kurt Angle is a genuinely tough guy. As we know, he won an Olympic gold medal with a freaking broken neck. But however hard you are, a move like that put on you by somebody with an MMA background is you know going to hurt you an awful lot. And as we know, Daniel Puder didn't really last very long in the uh, WWE after this. And we did go on to win Tough Enough and the supposed million dollar prize, although I think there was a little bit of um, shenanigans in that. I'm not quite certain. I think it was uh, slightly less than a million dollars or it wasn't a million uh, uh, up front anyway. And he was later in the Royal Rumble where he was <laughs> ganged up on by Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit and Hardcore Holly. And that might be a clip that we pick someday because... That was, he was basically beaten up, chopped to death in the ring by those three. And it, it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty horrific, but that was his lesson for uh, taking matters into his own hands. Silly, silly, silly Puda. No, I love that you picked this moment in wrestling history. And this is a perfect clip for us to feature on the pod. Because, you know, if you look back on all the episodes that we've done, you know, we picked some great matches, some funny promos, but like the real monumental moments in wrestling history. And, you know, this wasn't the Montreal Screwjob, but it was like, oh, fuck, this is like shoot fighting meets sports entertainment. And, you know, you didn't you didn't really see that at the time. You haven't really seen it since as a proper legitimate shoot, except for the brawl for all, which we've uh, <laughs> we've covered. Um, but, yeah, I mean. Who was the stupid one here? You know, was the angle for looking for a shoot fight? Obviously, Puda for taking it too far. Was it creative, not letting everyone know what the deal was before they went to the ring? A little bit of all three, because, you know, if if angle was in on it, but no one else was, then, yeah, you, you would step up and go, this is my moment. Obviously, the, he, he's going to tap out to me. I, I haven't been told otherwise. I can't imagine him being told categorically, put Angle over, he's the fucking man. Don't make an ass yourself and you might have a future year. I can't imagine him being told anything else. You know? I think he wasn't even supposed to be there. I think the guy before him... Um, got in the ring and Kurt Angle uh, actually broke his ribs from from what I can remember um, and then that was meant to be it when he called for any other volunteers I don't think there was supposed to be any but Daniel Puder um, volunteered and got in but you're right I mean it, it's got to be a mix of all three ultimately it's a creative failure isn't it that they didn't give clear instructions as to what was going to happen um, and then you know Daniel Puder really should have thought I can't show this guy up you know, it's not going to do my career any good. This isn't a real competitive sport in which the winner comes out on top. This is a, a choreographed, you know, uh, event in which 
the champions are, are chosen based on merit and, and all those sorts of things. And he should have realised that doing something like that, showing up one of the WWE's biggest stars, um, wouldn't go down very well in the locker room either, you know, which is ultimately why he got such a, a beating. Um, but even though this event didn't go well, the WWE could have capitalised on it because you could see that there was the heat between them at the end and the crowd. I think they could sense that there was something wrong, the way they reacted to it, you know, so there was something there they could have built on if only they'd given it a chance, you know, just to have a little mini feud between the two of them. Um, Maybe Kurt Angle nixed it and said, I'm not working with that guy, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised, but it it, might have been a good idea for them to do that. But um, yeah, I think... Somebody dropped the ball big time and uh, Daniel Puder paid the price for it. Dangle nearly paid the price for it. Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah. What must he be thinking? And like you said, the ref. Oh, my God. If I was Angle, I'd be giving that ref a fucking bottle of champagne after that. Just thank you for saving my arm. Because, like you said, whether it was... I guess they've got earpieces, haven't they, as well? The refs? in the, the Maybe. Re- maybe. Maybe. So maybe McMahon was hollering in his ear. But yeah, just if he did it off his own back, fucking hell, you deserve a raise. You deserve to be like head ref. <laughs> Is that a position? But yeah, just amazing, amazing. Like that, that was more impressive than anything else, I think. Just a quick thinking and let's tap it for three. You can see when he gets like a, a one counting, you can see Angle shifting his weight to push the weight on Puda's shoulders to kind of legitimize the, the three counts. But whew, yeah, that was... Uh, I was mental, and yeah, I wrote down about the aftermath as well. <laughs> Fucking, <laughs> that was that was like the public enemy level of of beatdown, but you know, deserved at least. The public enemy didn't deserve it for the most part, but yeah, that was uh, really good. Yeah, I think Pewter's backstage attitude as well, from what I read, really didn't endear him to other wrestlers. You know, he went around acting like he was, you know, the big I am, and and being boastful and and not being humble at all. Um, so between this and uh, his other actions, I, I think he probably brought that beating on himself if he'd, you know, reacted to this as an awful mistake and apologised and then been a bit humble for a few months. And, you know, maybe things would have turned out differently. But from what I read, he his behaviour was so yeah, it didn't endear himself to the locker room, let's put it that way. And of course, uh, I don't think hardcore Holly needs much provocation to kick somebody's ass anyway <laughs> no Bradshaw's like oh where's my fucking invite I love doing this <laughs> he was in the back having a stogie and a few beers like oh fuck, fuck, look at them having the time of their lives in there why am I stuck back here I don't know why I've made him sound like Ricky Gervais but I like the idea of that voice on him <laughs> at least start with him he's <laughs> actually the first thing go on to Holly fucking hell <laughs> Mr. Toad. <laughs> Mr. Puda, fucking hell. Yeah, but you could imagine Bradshaw running up to gorilla position, desperately looking to swap uh, numbers with the next guy who's doing at the rumble and say, look, I, I want... I'll <laughs> kick hard. I'll kick his ass, come on. Yeah. Uh, no, another good moment in wrestling history. Yeah, well, we've had, uh, we've had four really good clips this week. Um, now, it's your turn to end the show when you're... Oh inimitable style don't worry because i'm going to keep it fairly simple i thought we started with vince mcmahon let's progress things a little bit we've moved on a decade 15 years or so so this is mr mcmahon (laughs) in the attitude era 
I'd oh, like you God. to do it in the style of. It's very different to 80s, Vince McMahon. <laughs> do you know, it's been plaguing me all week, this. It's been giving me panic attacks. I think when you select your clips, you need to tell me who I'm doing an impression of. Because I'd be fucking me, 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 me. <laughs> My wife's walk telling me, like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. I'm just practicing <laughs> impressions. And, like, I thought I had someone in mind that you were going to pick. And I was like, right, I got it, I got it. And I'm like, oh, shit, he hasn't even picked him now. So, right. Oh, fuck. Okay. You like putting me on the spot, though, don't you? You like the spontaneity of it. Well, I think that's more fun. I think the listeners like being put on the spot. Welcome to wrestling with my brother. <laughs> we are a weekly podcast where we cover wrestling and TNA. <laughs> I am your host, Craig McMahon, Ruthless Aggression. <laughs> we are plenty of attitude in the WWF. Sorry, not F, they sued me. WWE. And we're on Twitter at WrestleBros Pod. Mm. That was, oh, I got tingles. That Your face is so red. Attitude and the anger that came out of you. Was your blood pressure gone up? Is it? 101, my heart rate's on now. <laughs> I, wow. guess, I guess that's the McMahon you wanted, not he's gonna puke. <laughs> that was that was brilliant. Yeah, no, I was after the, the stone cold. That kind of McMahon, yeah. I love it. Guttural. I'm knackered now. I don't know if they're legible, though. <laughs> I feel like I've got to repeat myself in a normal voice just so just people don't miss our Twitter handle because I growled my way through it. No, that was great. But uh, if you did not understand, it was uh, at WrestleBrosPod. You can find us on Twitter. WrestleBros! Until <laughs> well, next week. Ciao, peeps. Wrestling with my brother. We got a podcast, yeah. Wrestling with my brother